0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Uh, Alex, I was getting, I come in tonight and he was asking for... What I was going to like, my uh, scriptures and title slide and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I need to get that. I didn't write it all down previously. So I sat down and I started flipping through my pages. And I was like, man, I got a little more scripture than I thought I had. <laughs> Normally I don't have that much scripture. But uh, I want to give honor to my, uh, my bishop for just always being here, uh, being an awesome man of God to follow. Pastor, he's not here tonight. Uh, I think he was hoping he was going to make it back, but uh, he didn't make it back just yet. So I want to con- give him honor because. He's still trusting me to be here. He's still giving me the opportunity to come up here to grow and just to have this opportunity. And, and for somebody to do that while they're away, that's a big trust. And, of course, I want to give honor to uh, Brother Mason who just continually uh, backs me and uh, is just a, a person that I can look up to and uh, just a good role model for me. Uh, we're going to go ahead and turn to the Word if you want to stand for the reading of the Word. We're going to Isaiah 41 and 10. I'm going to read a the scripture there, and we're going to drop down to verse thirteen. Isaiah forty-one and ten says, "Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help. I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness." Drop down to verse thirteen of same Isaiah forty-one, and it says, "For I, the Lord thy God, will uphold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not. I will help." Help me pray tonight. We'll give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated tonight. I just want to preach a little bit on this topic. Uh, what is there to fear? What is there to fear? Isaiah is telling us in forty-one, in verse 41 to fear not. God's saying, fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. God has given us the Bible, which is his written word, to read and to study for the purpose of growing closer to him. That's essentially what this is. It's a Bible. It's full of God's Word just wanting us to get just a little bit deeper into His presence and getting to know Him. It's full of stories about people that were human just like you and me. So as we read His Word, we understand that the things we go through, they're not new to God. There's probably not a single thing that we're going to go through on all of our days on this earth that is not new to God. God has seen it. God has uh, dealt with it in the past. And uh, anything we experience will not be new to him. We read about these people uh, that experience joy, fear, sorrow, arrogance, bravery, pain, temptation, and much more. But as you may know uh, by now probably, David is probably one of my favorite characters to read about in the Bible. I say character like I'm just reading it in a story, but we know that he was not someone that was just made up. Uh, David was a human being He was a person, a real person in the word that God used And uh, he's probably one of my favorites to read about and to talk about uh, Because he experienced so much in his lifetime He went through so many of the things that um, we can probably All of us will probably never go through everything that he went through But all of us will go through something that he went through See he was a human just like we are, he had his temptations, he made mistakes and he did all that just like we do and he's a man that we can all relate to because at some point in our lives we're going to do something that David did, we're going to experience something that David experienced. He experienced I hope far more things that I will ever have to experience but uh, there's things that he experienced that I'm going to experience in my life. He had his highs, he had his lows, at times he showed bravery. At other times, he showed fear. David had seven brothers. He was the youngest and the smallest. And the Bible explains that he has a fair countenance. So I would probably call him a pretty boy. I think that's how the, how the Bible's explaining it. He, he would just be a pretty boy. He wasn't one that you would look at and be like, now that's a man's man. All right, he was, the Bible calls and says that he has a fair countenance. And so uh, his job was just to tend to his father's sheep. That's all he had to do. He was the youngest, so he wasn't going out fighting the battles or anything. He was the one tending to the sheep for his father. The Bible talks about his bravery when it comes to uh, the battle with Goliath. A lot of us remember this battle, and, you know, we know that what happens in that. But um, he comes, and he's just visiting his brothers, being sent by his father, and he's doing what he's told. His dad told him to go there. Well, of course, he's wanting to find out, well, what's going on, you know. Maybe he can give a report back home. And uh, he hears... Uh, Goliath, you know, talking about the armies of the living God, just defying them and talking, downgrading them and, and just talking bad about them. And he's like, who is this guy? You know, I really don't like what he's doing. I don't like how he's defiling the armies of the living God. So he goes and he talks to Saul. Saul's here in battle. And, of course, we know that all these men are scared. None of them want to go fight this guy because he's the champion of the Philistines. He's the biggest, he's the biggest guy there, and everyone's scared to fight him. David. He's not scared. He's wondering what's going on. So he he goes and talks to Saul, and Saul's like, um, I'm not so sure about you going out there to fight him. You're just a young guy. You're just a little guy. He was like, "You're not. you're not big enough. You're not old enough. You can't go out. Look at all these warriors that I have. None of them want to go fight him. What makes you any better than them? So David proceeds to tell him that, well, I might be young, but I've been tending to my father's sheep, and there was this day that a, there was a lion and a bear came and tried to take some sheep from my father's sheep. And, a, and you know So I had to fight them. So I went and I snatched them out of their mouth. I killed both the lion and the bear. He was explaining how he was brave. He was explaining how he could take on this giant, this Goliath. So David ended up getting, a, getting his opportunity. We didn't know what happened there. But then we talk about how David was fearful, how he had fear, whenever he found out that Saul was sought to take his life. We know that uh, David was anointed by God and, and that, uh, that anointing was removed from Saul. So uh, Saul kind of got this uh, feeling that David was the guy that got his anointing. So he ended up starting, he wanted to try and seek after his life. David got scared. We know that David faced temptation when he saw Bathsheba bathing, right? And then he, ended, he would eventually act upon that temptation Committing adultery, we know that uh, we know that David had uh, with that temptation, with that adultery, there was a child that was conceived. David didn't want to uh, be responsible. He didn't want to, everyone to know what had happened that he had done this bad thing. So what does he do? He brings Bathsheba's husband home from war, Uriah. He said, "Hey, Uriah, go." brought you home go go with your wife go go treat her go do all this he's trying to you know cover up for his sin Uriah he's just all of his men are still in battle he's not one to go and take care of all that so he says no I'm not going to go back to battle I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go lay with my wife while my men are still out the battle I'd rather just stay here with you so he eventually sends him back and it ends up uh having Uriah killed this is just a small portion of some of the things that David did in his life. You can read First and Second Samuel and learn a lot more about David and what he did. Some of the key points you're going to read about David is the Lord chooses him to be king. At a young age, he anoints him. We uh, can read where he plays the harp for King Saul. We can read about where he kills Goliath. We can read about where, he beca- where Saul becomes jealous of David and how that all turns out. Then we can read about how this uh, sheep herder, this... Uh, Poor fellow is really what he is. He comes from a poor family, just tending to sheep. How he marries a king's daughter, and then how he becomes best friend with the king's son, and then how he becomes king of Judah, how he becomes king of Israel, then how he uh, gets his hands on the ark of the Lord, right? And then we see some downfall where he commits adultery, and then we read about where he has Solomon. You all know about Solomon, his son, and then we can read where he has to, where he ends up mourning about Absalom, his son that dies. These are all just key points, and David experienced so much more. But this gives us just a little insight to David's life. Acts 13 and 22 says, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto him David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Well, that's pretty awesome. Because we just. We just heard about David. We just heard about a lot of the things that he had done in his life. But then we go and we read Acts 13 and 22, and and God speaking says, a man after mine own heart. That's pretty amazing. Because we don't think of God of having a heart that would go out and commit adultery. We don't think of God having a heart of all this stuff, right? Being uh, scared and fearful and all that stuff. So what was so special about David that God would call him a man after his own heart? Must have been something special about him. David was a man that knew all about repentance. He wasn't a man that would slip up and just say, all right, I'm done. He knew all about repentance. He knew what he had to do. When he made a mistake, he was not afraid to fall on his knees or visit an altar and seek God's forgiveness. This wasn't what David was about. The reason he was a man after God's own heart is because he knew how to repent. He knew how to ask for forgiveness, and he knew how to turn away from his sin, to not make those sins continually, to not keep going back to the thing that caused him to sin. He was also a man that was not afraid to worship God, no matter who was around. So he's all about worship, and he was all about uh, repentance and stuff. We read about when he's bringing the ark of the Lord back to Jerusalem, how he can't help but dance and shout all along the way. We know that he's bringing it back. He knows the power that he's holding and that he's bringing this back to Jerusalem. And he can't help but just to dance and shout, and it doesn't matter who's there, who's watching. But we know that his wife, Michael, didn't like it. And as as she's seeing him dance and shout outside of her window, she despises him. That doesn't cause him to stop, though. He still continues. Because it doesn't matter who's looking at you, it doesn't matter what they're saying, he's going to continue to worship. He's going to continue to praise God because he knows that's what he has to do. So we're apostolic, right? We're known for our expressive worship. Kind of like David. So I haven't been here through the church's beginnings and stuff. I haven't been here from the very beginning, but I have heard stories that uh, you how you could identify people by their worship. Right? You guys remember those stories? Does anybody know anything about the curly shuffle? Right? What about somebody that digs taters? Right? I even heard about Grandma McGee stomping the devil. Wearing out a floor. The floor had to be replaced where she stood at. Called her old Sloughfoot. Called him Sloughfoot, right? I remember hearing about this stuff. I remember, I even got to experience this one, Sister Bonnie. In the pew, she'll get drunk in the spirit and just get get to laughing, get to laughing, and that was contagious. But these were people that were known by their worship. That it didn't matter who was sitting on these pews, it didn't matter if anybody was new, it didn't matter if we had guests, it didn't matter what was going on. These were people that, whenever they felt the spirit of God, they were going to act upon it. They were going to worship and they were going to praise because. That's what they knew to do. And you all know that we've all been at times called holy rollers. We had to do something to get called that name, right? That's not, a, that's not a derogatory name. That's all right. It's not bad to be called a holy roller. Why? Because you're expressing your worship to God. That's what you've been called to do. You're not hiding what you're doing because somebody else is around. You're going to express your worship because... That is what we're called to do, is to worship God. We didn't care who was watching. We didn't care uh, we were going to worship openly. We felt the Spirit. See people running the aisles all the time. As soon as they felt what felt led to run the aisles. You, that was not uncommon. Nobody would look the other way and think, oh, that's weird. They would be excited. You would see people's smiles start coming on people's face because they see someone getting blessed and moving. But over the past few years, it's becoming less and less. Maybe more than that. So what's changed? Does anybody know what's changed? So our God's still the same God. We read in Hebrews 13 and 8, says Jesus Christ. The same yesterday and today and forever. What's changed? It's not God. I would dare to say that we probably allowed fear to enter in. Probably not fear as in... You're scared of some boogeyman, right? Probably not fear in that way, but, but we get worried. What will everyone think? We get so worried about pleasing people, and we don't want to offend anyone. So when we have guests, we become just a little bit more reserved. Uh, I think I'm going to tone that down just a little bit. I'm just going to so sit back, and we'll just, we'll just glean from the word today. You can justify it. You can say, I, I think I just want to lean into this. Or That's not a, that wasn't a message to run and jump and shout about. We can tone that down. Why? Because we don't want them to think that we're weird or crazy. I mean, who wants to be thought as weird or crazy? It's just not something we want to do. So we try to be normal. What's normal? What's normal? You want to be like all the other churches? You want to be like the rest of the world? Because God's called us to be different. Right? He's called us to be. He doesn't want us to be like the world. 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He's called us out to tell us to be separate. So why do we tone down our worship whenever we have somebody new coming in? Because oftentimes when we have somebody new coming in, this isn't the first church that they visited. This isn't the first place they've been to. They're looking for something different. So why do we tone it down to be normal just like everybody else? Because they're looking for something different. And they're going to come in and we're like, we're just going to turn it down just a little bit. we we'll to turn our music down just a little bit. We're not going to be so rambunctious. Hey, how about you don't run the aisles today? How about you ah, don't shout so much today? Just keep that down just a little bit. But we cannot afford to let fear come between us and what God has called us to do. We can't do it. We're here because God's called us to be here. We're, we believe this. Why? Because we're apostolic. Which means we are to be like the apostles preaching and teaching everyone we can. We don't sit back idle. We don't, we don't want to be like everybody else. So we live by Acts 2.38. And probably everyone in here should be able to quote this by heart. Can you say Acts 2.38 with me? It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's power. That's what separates us from the other churches, right? That's what makes us different. And my youth class can tell you right now that the next verse is probably one of my favorites because I don't think you should be able to say 38 without saying 39. I really don't. And every time I tell them, I tell them all the time, I said that's probably my favorite verse. I want you to know 238, but I want you to know 239 too. Why? Because it answers a whole lot more questions that you're going to get asked. What does 239 say? For the promises unto you and to your children... And to all, all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's all. That's what he's called us to do. 238 and 239. I really don't think there should be a pause there. I think if we know one, we should know the other. Peter says all of this because a group of people is asking him, what do they need to do to be saved? He gave them a flat out answer. Repent be baptized in Jesus name and you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost Peter said first and foremost repent turn away from your sins quit doing that what you were doing don't say I'm sorry God and then walk out the doors and start doing it all over again that's not repenting that's not repenting at all that's just saying I'm sorry going back and get started again I'll be back next week to, to say I'm sorry again that's not true repentance That's what separates David from a lot of us. We haven't found that true repentance. We haven't visited the altar near enough. Then Peter goes on to say, And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. In the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, he's laying it right out for you guys. He's laying it right out. This is what you need to do to be saved. He's giving you the power, the name, exactly how to do it. And he's saying being baptized, which is full submersion. That's full, going down underwater. That's not, that's not just a little sprinkling of water. That's not just a little, oh, I got a little raindrop on me. It's been baptized. No, we're going to get buried. We're going to get buried because we want to wash away that old us. We don't want to come back up with the same person that, that went down into that water. We want to leave that old person there and, and just a little uh, sprinkling is not going to get it done. Then he goes on to say receiving of the Holy Ghost. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. How do you know you've received it? That's one of the things that separates us, right? Somebody says, oh, just just say that you love the Lord and, and, and you've received it. You're good. He's living in you. But the Bible tells us that you receive it by evidence of speaking in other tongues. When we read in Acts 2 and 4, he says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, As the Spirit gave utterance. That was that's pretty laid out for us. How do you know? Well, I spoke in other tongues. Okay. Have you received? You know, they're going through and they're asking them, well, have you received since you believed? Well, we didn't know there was such a thing. How do how do we know? Well, have you spoken other tongues? No? Okay, then you haven't received just yet. Right? There's evidence. There's evidence that God has given to us. God has given us a reason to, to seek after him. And this is what he's called us to do. To be separate. Come out from among them and be ye separate. He's given us what makes us different than everybody else. When you go to an apostolic church, you're going to hear music. You're going to hear, you should see worship. You should see maybe running and shouting tears. All this stuff was new to me when I first came here. And I'm like... I didn't understand it. I was like, eh, you know, I come from a more of a, a laid-back type church that, honestly, I probably didn't know 100% of what they believed because it was never uh, explained to me that I really needed to know all of that stuff. It's like, why? There wasn't really like, oh, you, well, you need to go home and study the Word. You need to do this. You need to look into your Bible, right? There was none of that explained. There was none of that, or there was nothing like, Okay, well, I'm telling you this up here, but go home and study it to make sure I'm right. Make sure I'm telling you the truth. And we need that. And you'll hear that from pastor. When he's up here and he gives you a whole bunch of scriptures and and he's telling you and he's preaching to you and, and spit flying out of his mouth, he'll tell you, if you don't believe me, go home and read it yourself. I want you to look it up. I want you to question me. Because I want you to know the word. Because when you know the word, it doesn't matter who questions you. You'll be able to explain to them why you believe what you believe. There will be never any doubt. But God's called us to be different. He's called us to be different. That's why when guests come in here, we can't put pull pull back the reins on our worship. I was talking to I was talking to my wife earlier, and when I was talking about the. Uh, uh, worship and how you could identify some people I was wanting to verify that I got the names right and you know and and I just got to thinking how it's kind of like a sad day because our elder generation the one the the names that I named off was from our elder generation I hate to see that there's a divide there that our younger generation is not picking up and taking off where our old generation is unable to do anymore. You don't hear about prayer warriors just anymore, do you? Boy, but you heard about them about Grandma McGee, didn't you? It's a prayer warrior. I I want that label to be on me. I want that label to be on me. But as I was pinning down these words on this paper, I couldn't help but think that God's speaking to me also. As I'm coming and speaking this to you, Every word that I pin down, I'm talking to myself. Because I'm not, I do get this fear. It's not a fear of the boogeyman. It's not a fear of that something's going to come out and get me. It's a fear that we as humans have, that we're seeking after acceptance. We want people to like us. Uh, you know, we, I kind of get in my mind, well, I'd like to talk to some people at work about this, but, man, then if they don't like it or something's weird, then it's awkward at work. I've got to work with these people. You know, or if I go out to eat or, you know, get something to eat, and I, I probably should talk. Well, no, they make my food. They might spit in my food. No. <laughs> uh, but it's something that I tell myself it's a, it's a mental battle. It's a mental battle because when God was talking to the apostles and He was telling them to go out and preach to everyone, the uttermost parts. And He said, when you go to a city and you're preaching there, if they don't accept you, just go on out. Wipe the dust off your feet. Be done with it. He's saying, don't get bent out of shape. Don't worry about what they're going to say when you leave. Don't worry about none of that because although they may not accept it, the next city I'm about to send you to, they really need to hear the word. They really need to hear it. But when we get so scared and we get so bent up about this city that we're about to leave, we don't go on to that next city. We, want, we get to to be like uh, Jonah, right? God was telling him to go to Nineveh. Nineveh really needed to be saved. And God knew that Nineveh would accept the word, but they needed to hear it. And uh, Jonah, he didn't want to do it. He got so scared he didn't want to go talk. He didn't believe that they should be saved. He put in on his own mind that they don't need to be saved. But God got in his mind that they can be saved. And when Jonah finally did what God called him to do, there was a city that was able to be saved because he continued on to that city. That's what God's calling us to do. We've got a city right here. If you look around in our sanctuary right here, the whole city of Mount Carmel's not in here yet. But that doesn't mean that these pews can't be full. That doesn't mean that we should give up on this city and go on to the next city. God's brought us to this city for a reason. You know, we've been in Kingsburg we moved here. God brought us to this city for a reason. Now, I do believe that there's things in this city that makes it a whole lot more difficult to win souls. But I also don't think that God would have brought us here if he didn't think we could do it. So we've got to get in our minds that, that God has called us here for a reason. That every person we talk to is not going to uh, laugh in our face and spit in our face. We have to understand that this city is full of people that still need to be saved. And if you talk to someone and they don't accept it, they don't want to hear it, just dust off your feet, wipe off your hands, and go on to the next one. Because for that one that doesn't want to hear it, the next one does. Or that one that doesn't need to hear it, the next one does. And you might get somebody that you've been working on for years. Just being a light, just being a person, just living your life that after... How many every year is they're going to say, hey, what time's church? I want to be there. I want to be there. That's really what I needed to hear. That's really what I needed to say. Man, those people are so loving. Those people are normal. <laughs> Can't believe that. I never heard about that. So if you go ahead and stand with me, musicians can come. So what are we afraid of? Why are we so afraid to talk to people about our God? Why are we so afraid to tell him about the transformation that, that he's made in our life and that he can do in theirs? Psalms 118 and 6 says, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. Then he asks a question. He says, What can man do unto me? I just look at that and I'm like, David, you're awesome. <laughs> That's David again, right? He says, What can man do unto me? Why am I scared? Why am I afraid? There's nothing man can do unto me that's going to be anything that bothers me. That's all mental stuff. That's all me messing with my head. So this altar's open. We cannot let fear stop us from sharing God's word. We can't do it. So I wonder if as many as would would just gather around up here today. This is a place that we as apostolic people need to frequent way more often. This is the altar. This is not a place that we need to be afraid of. The Apostle Paul told us that he had to die daily. He made mistakes. He knew that he had to die daily. What does that mean? That means he made mistakes. And he had to come to an altar of repentance and ask for forgiveness for the mistakes that he made. That was the Apostle Paul. That's amazing. Are we any better than the Apostle Paul? I don't think so. So there's a prayer that I like to pray when I'm coming up here and not just up here, but when I'm worshiping. And it's, uh, I ask God to give me blind eyes and deaf ears when it comes to my worship so that I don't get distracted because I am human and I am one of those people that somebody might call a people pleaser. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't, want to, I don't want anyone to judge me or, you know, whatever. And so I might be lifting my hands, but if I'm the only one, I might put them down just a little quicker. So I want God to give me some, some blind eyes and some deaf ears. That way I don't see if anyone else has got their hands. That way I don't hear if nobody else is praising and worshiping. I'm going to go ahead and do it myself. Even if I'm the only one. So can, while, the, while the musicians play, can we just go ahead and spend just a little time in prayer? We got time. I was pretty quick. Maybe push it on just a little bit. Let's spend just a little time in prayer at the altar. We got to remember that God has called us to repentance. And he's called us to, to preach and teach this word. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a minister to share the word. It's the most popular book in the world. So many people have a copy of this, but so many people don't open it up. Don't be afraid to share it. Spend some time with the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter